Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. In a world that's full of bad news, uh, we can have hope in the person of Jesus Christ. Not only in the person of Jesus Christ, but in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the term the gospel, I remember many years ago when Jay Leno was a host of The Tonight Show, they had a segment called Jaywalking where they would go out into the streets and ask people different questions and usually they had no clue of what they were asking. And I wonder if we did some jaywalking today among our church and among people in our community and asked them, what is the gospel? I am sure that many people would would do their best to answer it and probably come close, but I'm of the belief, as many pastors I've talked with, that the church, when I say the church, I mean as a whole, not just on the park, we've lost sight of what the gospel is. And Romans does a great job of putting that together because the gospel also means good news. The good news that empowers us to impact this world that we live in if we're brave enough to stand up for it. This world needs good news. Man, we need some good news. And God has quipped those who love him to deliver it. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I absolutely love our senior adults of our church. Not only are they prayer warriors and super encouragers, they are active in the life of our church. They love to go places. They love to eat. And they love to talk about who is sick, who is dying, and has died. Some call it an organ recital. Meaning they're talking about all the organs that are failing. Some of you have been there. You go to visit your aging parents or grandparents for a visit. And there is a lull in the conversation and the silence is awkward because you're not allowed to have the TV on. And so all of a sudden... Their conversation goes to talking about someone who has a quiver in their liver or a lean to their spleen or some type of itis that they find hard to pronounce. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. And I want to make sure you know this. I'm not making fun of that. It's just a fact. And the scary thing is that I find as I grow older I start to do the same thing. How's your back feeling? Well, let me tell you about my back. You know, let me tell you about the surgeries I had. Nobody wants to know all that stuff. And then all of a sudden you say something like, so did you hear about? And then you go on to say your story. And so I guess that's a circle of life. I say this to tell you that a while back I was hanging out with some of our cool senior adults and we were eating And no lie, for 20 minutes, they talked about who was sick, who was dying. They wanted to know if I had gone to see them. And they wanted to know who was in the hospital and when I was going. And for some reason that day, I was in a frame of mind that just felt like each story was more depressing. And more weighty. The sky actually seemed to be getting darker. I thought I heard thunder. And then when I had had enough, I asked politely, do y'all have any good news? 
To which they were stunned and had nothing to say. I say that in love and in jest, but it proves the point. Guys, gals, when, when I turn on the TV, all I see is bad news. When you're talking to people, all we hear is bad news. Folks, our world is craving some good news. But we cannot get away from this bad news. It follows us. It stalks us. It is all around us. And some even crave bad news. But everyone knows someone who, if they approach you to talk with you, you know it's going to be bad news. So if you see them walking towards you, you kind of take a step the other way. Because sometimes you just don't want to hear bad news. You know it's out there. But folks, I have come to accept the fact that there is and always will be bad news. Bad news stems all the way back to the fall of man. You see, our lives are cursed with sin. And our world is cursed by sin. The truth is, there is good news found in the gospel story of Jesus Christ. We can have hope, folks, in our darkest of times. And it is for this reason that I am starting a series this morning entitled, Getting Back to the Gospel. Because this is where we will find hope. This is where we will find strength. And this is where our faith can impact the world. So I invite you to join me on this journey. And so before we jump into our scripture this morning, I want to give you a little bit of background so you can see the emotions from which Paul wrote this. This letter was written to the church in Rome by Paul 57 years after Jesus' ascension into heaven. So roughly a little less than 60 years. So it was fresh on everybody's mind. Paul was writing to a people he had never met, but he had heard much about. The church was started by Jews who had received the Holy Spirit through the day of Pentecost. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up and read about it in Acts chapter 2. But basically, this Holy Spirit that we talk about, that is when we received it. In Acts chapter 2, for the Jews, and then later on for the Gentiles, which are many of us here today. So as they returned to Rome, they were telling their good news to everybody that could hear. And so, though Paul never met them, they were bonded by something. They were bonded by the message of the good news of Christ. Just like today, members of churches are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that bonding goes a long way. People are bonded by things like peace, by war, by politics, by preferences, and by sin. Oh, for us to be bonded together by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of all the things I mentioned, folks, the only bond that lasts past the grave is the gospel. Every other association you will have will end at the grave other than being bound by the gospel. So as you read the scriptures, you know that Paul was passionate about Christ because Christ transformed his life. And now he is sharing that with everyone that he meets. They were bound by the story of Jesus. And just as we are today, that is good news, even in the midst of a world 
filled with bad news. A man was talking to me yesterday about some bad news he received at his doctor. The doctor walked in and said, I have some bad news, some very bad news. The man said, okay, let me have it. You might as well give me the bad news first. The doctor said, the lab called with your test results, and you have 24 hours to live. The man said, 24 hours, that's terrible. What could be worse news than that? What's the very bad news? The doctor said, I've been trying to reach you since yesterday. So, we can have bad news. But today, this moment, in this time, in this sanctuary, we celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ. As we look at our scriptures today, as we look at Romans 1, verses 1 through 5, we see that good news is promised and provided by God. Not only does he promise something, he provides it. You and I have been given empty promises before. By, as I said the other week, the meaning to's. I've been meaning to do that. I've been meaning to get that to you. I've been, no, there's no meaning to with God. Good news is promised and provided by God. In verses 1 through 5, he says, This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In the earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere that God, what God has done for them so that they will believe. And obey him, bringing glory to his name. Now, Paul said a lot in those first five verses. The first thing he said, when you get your good news, make sure you get it from a credible source. I'm sorry, but your your buddies you're talking about, what happened last weekend, is probably not the best source to get your news. That gossip you always go to to get your sweet stuff, is probably not the good source. The source to get what you need is from God himself. And we see here that Paul establishes his credibility and authority for writing this letter. Remember, he was a nobody. They had heard about Paul, but he was saying, look, this is why I can write to you because I am a slave of Jesus Christ and I was sent by God. Paul states that he is a slave or a servant of the very Jesus Christ that they are worshiping from the movement that started in their lives almost 60 years ago. Paul gets a big boost of credibility when he says he was apostle. He was an apostle. An apostle meaning he had seen Jesus. Now, he wasn't one of the disciples, but when he was on the road to Damascus and he had his conversion experience, he's seen Jesus. Now, you and I have seen Jesus in our lives. We've seen him work in our lives, that doesn't mean we are apostles. But for Paul, this was him showing his credibility for writing this. Just like you wouldn't go to your hairdresser to find out how to fix your sink, you do not want to go to people who do not know Jesus to give you news about Jesus. We need news today more than ever that does not have a spin. Some of you are Fox Newsers in here. 
Some of you are CNNers. Some of you are MSNBCs. Some of you are Facebookers. There might be even a Twitterer in here where you get your news from those things. But if all you do is listen to one of those stations, one of those sources for news, you are getting a slanted view of the news. And the truth is that every one of them, there's questions about all of them. If you want news with no spin, do you want news that's factual? Do you want news that's proven? Do you want news that's applicable? That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, look, I'm not giving you spin. I'm giving you the facts, and this is what backs it up. And there is no greater source for good news because where did it come from? Look in your passage. The good news came from God. Folks, that's straight from the source. And there is no greater subject than Jesus when it comes to good news. If you go back and look at verses 3 through 5, if you want to know what the gospel is, if, if they come up to you and say, so tell me what the gospel is, you can get a good idea of it in verses 3 through 5. There's your, your answer there. What is the gospel? It's the good news. The good news of Jesus. The fact that he was born of the line of David. That he was born a virgin birth. That he lived a sinless life. That he died a sinner's death for your sin and mine. And that he was crucified for our sins. And that he was buried in a grave. In three days he rose again. And he is coming back. That is the gospel story. I've just shared the gospel with you. I didn't use a single verse. You could do that today if you were bold enough to do it. The good news is about Jesus. Good news is finding out that you passed this test that you studied for. Good news is the result. You get the test back that the doctor ran that the results are negative instead of positive. Good news is the raise you were hoping to get, approved for. Good news is getting the position you tried out for. Good news is you woke up to sunshine instead of rain. All of these things constitute good news, but they all have one thing in common. What is it? What do every one of those things have in common, all of those good news? The one thing that they all have in common and that most people consider good news is they are event based. They are circumstantial. If this happens, I will have good news. You get it? But the truth of the matter is, with the gospel, whether you are going through the sunshine of life or you're in the deepest trench of your life, the good news is Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life and a plan for this world. Jesus is unchanging. Your jobs will change. Your families will change. Your friends will change. Change is part of life, but Jesus is unchanging. Paul is saying that everything is working together is from the first phrase of in the beginning of Genesis 1. And then in Revelation 22.1, he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ... Be with God's holy people. Folks, Jesus is in control from the beginning to the end. The stock market does not impact Jesus. The coronavirus does not impact Jesus. Storms do not impact Jesus. He controls them. 
Paul made some affirmations in verses 3 through 5. He says, Jesus was human as well as divine. How did he say Jesus was human? That whole part in your scripture where it says that he is from the line of David, that's huge, right? Those of us that have been in church a while know this. If you haven't been in church a long time or don't understand the significance of that, that's okay. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, for someone to say thousands of years ago before it happened that the Messiah would come through the family line of David, it's pretty amazing. And as you read the whole thread of the Old Testament, that is the crux of what the Old Testament means. Jesus Christ being the Messiah was not an accident. It was foretold and it was meant from the beginning of time. Also, Jesus died and was raised from the dead and that Jesus enabled us to receive God's grace. Well, the second thing we see here is that the gospel is for everyone, for everyone. In verses 6 through 7, it says, And you are included among those Gentiles who have belonged to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved and called by God, by his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Here's the cool thing, folks. No matter what your age is today, no matter what your race is today, not, no matter what your bank account says today, no matter where your happy meter is today, no matter what your doctor says today, Jesus died for you. And if you are a Christian, you are part of his people. And God-loving Gentiles was world-changing for your benefit and mine. You realize the benefit when the Bible says that the Gentiles received Jesus Christ? Do you know why that's important? Unless you're Jewish in here, you'd be out of luck. That's the grace of God. And now here, the New Testament picks right up where the Old Testament left off. The foretold Messiah enters history, and God promises and plan of salvation that are fulfilled through Jesus. Folks, God sent His Son, Jesus, so that everyone that believes in Him would have eternal life. Let me show you the most basic verse that most everybody has heard or know. John 3, 16, that says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Everyone. My friend, it doesn't matter what you're in the middle of, what you've come from, or where you're going. If you cry out to Jesus Christ, He will come to you, you will receive His grace, and there is a plan for you because God loves everyone. It doesn't mean that everyone is going to go to heaven. It does not mean that God is a God of love and this whole hell thing is not important. This this is the, the caveat here. Jesus made it clear there is a wide road and there is a narrow road. And he loves everyone. So he gives everyone a chance to accept him. But to deny Jesus is to spit on that verse. Everyone is there because of God's grace. And this is good news. Then as you look through verses 8 through 15, I'm just going to kind of sum those up for you. It says, Jesus Christ is the bond between him and the Romans. We talked about that. Their faith is being talked about. Let me ask you a question. What are people saying about your faith? 
What are, hey guys, what are they, what, what are people saying about your faith? What are people saying about your faith in the back, up front, and about me? What are they saying about the church? Look, I am glad if somebody says, oh, that church is so sweet, those people are so nice. Okay, great. But what about the gospel of Jesus Christ? What about the witness? What about what comes out of our mouth? What about what we do with our hands? You see, the gospel is nothing to be ashamed about. It reminds me of that old illustration of this this little girl was taking her Bible out of her locker. And this big, huge football player went up to her and said, You're such a wimp to carry a Bible to church, to school. And so that little girl looked up at that big old athlete and said, Okay, you carry it. <laughs> the gospel is nothing to be ashamed about. It says in verses 16 and 17, Paul is talking, he says, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Why would Paul even say that he was not ashamed of the good news? For him to say that he was not ashamed of the good news would mean that there were people he was writing to that were ashamed of the good news. Think about it. The gospel back then. It's not like today. Today we got, we got our church. We got some churches that have bazillion people worshiping with them. We got some small churches that are meeting across the world on dirt floors. We have some churches that are meeting for fear of persecution. We have all these churches meeting together. And so this has become so big, so wide. But at this point, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've got to understand that this was a story about a poor Jewish carpenter who made some outrageous claims that he's, he was the Messiah, and rumor has it he resurrected from life. People thought they were nut jobs. People think that we are. You go share your faith with somebody, and they, nine times out of ten, they will say, well, that's good for you to believe that, but I don't need a crutch. My friend, the gospel has been a crutch for me, since I was a teenager, and I lean on it every single day. Because without it, I would fall. It says in verse 17, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Most Romans had little regard for the Jews, let alone that they would be backing such a humble character. But you see, the truth of the matter is, folks, many today have the worldview of those Romans. They see Christians as misguided, weak, gullible, and simple-minded. The Bible actually says those who believe in Jesus Christ are seen as foolish in the world's eyes. With so much contempt for Jesus and his followers, is it any surprise that people are ashamed. You don't believe me? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but would you share the good news of Jesus with someone to the best of your ability? Would you make sure at social gatherings that people knew 
you believed in Jesus? Would you give thanks and testimony to others? You see, if you call it fear of rejection and not knowing what to say, I've heard that people say that all the time. Well, preacher, I'm not trained like you. I don't know what to say. What a cop out. If that's your excuse, or if you say, I don't have the opportunity, all of those and more are dressed up versions of, I am ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. And whatever helps you sleep at night to not be gospel-centered and proactive about sharing the gospel, I hope you can live with it because it's plain disobedience. We are not ashamed of our sports teams. Woo! Go Tigers! Go Gamecocks! Go Cavaliers! Go! Woo! Let me get a t-shirt. Let me get a pennant. Let, let me tell, let me get a bumper sticker and tell everybody what team I'm on. Hey man, didn't I see you at church the other week? Nothing. Radio silence. Folks, fear of sharing the good news, gospel, is a result of having the wrong focus. Fear of sharing the good news, gospel, is a result of having the wrong focus. Do not focus on your shortfalls and your inabilities. When you say, I don't know enough, I don't know what to say, I don't have an opportunity, I'm scared, I don't want someone to get mad at me, you are putting all of those things above God, meaning that fear is becoming the God of your life. Let's look at the power of the good news. The power of the good news. It makes you right in God's sight. I can hear somebody say, Preacher, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't. But God does. And here's the thing. If you read that, God does not ask you to behave. This is huge. God does not ask you to behave. He asks you to believe. He doesn't say, change your actions and then I'll take your heart. He says, give me your heart and I will change your actions. It's not about you. That's the power of the good news. It is not through our abilities, but it is by God's grace. And it is God's grace that feeds our faith. So let me just be real for a moment as we... Start to tie this up. I don't want to be a Christian that follows God only for the gifts that he gives. Things like forgiveness and heaven and peace and people and and peace in the midst of the storms. Those things are impossible and those are, are great things to claim. Those things are important, but it's more important to follow God only because he loves me and I love him. I don't want to pastor a church that only wants sermons to tickle a congregation's ears and give them five steps to feeling better about themselves. I don't want to pastor a church that is founded on something else other than the good news, gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to pastor a church that is not 
ashamed to share the good news because we all need it. This world needs it. It's time for us to get back to the gospel. I remember my father telling me about the first job he ever had. He lived in a small town outside Roanoke, Virginia called Buchanan. And he would get up early every morning to get his stack of papers, get his bicycle and deliver them before school. Some of you even here today have told me that you used to do that when you were younger. I think about my dad delivering those papers early in the morning. Like my father on the bicycle delivering the news, I must deliver the good news of Jesus Christ. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a believer and I need help. I need people within our church, brothers and sisters in Christ, to spread the news with me. Because if we don't spread it, folks, how in the world will they hear it? So my prayer is that getting the good news out would, be, would begin with me. And I hope that you can say the same. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time this morning. And dear Heavenly Father, this has been a, a right up the front in your face passage about the gospel. And folks, many of us in here today have been changed by the gospel, but are we moved to share it? We make fun of those in this crisis, Lord, that are going to stores and buying every piece of toilet paper they can find. For what reason, I don't know. And I'm not trying to be funny in a prayer, but I'm telling you, there are people that are hoarding this stuff so other people can't have it. The church should not do that with the gospel. It was freely given to us, and we should freely give it to others through our stories and through our lives. So, Father, I pray that you mobilize this church, that you motivate this church, that you burn within the hearts of these people to be about the gospel story. And if they don't know how to share it, may they ask their Bible study teacher, a parent, or myself, and we'll show them. Because in the judgment day, there will be no excuse. We are to be a people of the gospel.